The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! things that either haven't existed before in Nashville, when we're talking about physical events that people can come and witness, or we try to think of things that just haven't existed or been done a certain way nationally or internationally if we're talking more about, you know, consumer products and things like that. White, who was born in the Motor City, has Detroit-sized dreams for his record label. Anything to capture the attention of people, to, to bring back to the physical product and get away from invisible music and disposable music. And Third Man began to expand its roster of artists in the blue room at the back of the headquarters. And then Jack also had the idea of uh, this blue series, which was open to any artists that would be possibly coming through town on tour. Just a kind of thing where we can record in his studio two songs, takes a day, do a photo shoot here against our, our blue wall, and uh, kind of just put it together. Excuse me, excuse me, sir, you, do you work here? Yes, I work here. Oh, God. What would you like? I, look, I need some help over here at this paint aisle. I just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what you're going to want to do is make a left on Broadway. I don't think that's what I want to do. We're left on Home... Broadway, right on F- Fannie Mae. We're in a Home Depot. Left on Freddie Mac. I just... Batteries are aisle 12. Yeah, I, okay. Paint right. cans are aisle 3. Uh, look... Here's the deal. Light bulbs are aisle two. I will take a left at Freddie Mae and a right at Fannie Mac. But Hot dogs are aisle one. <laughs> Jesus. Some people's got it all. I just need your help real quick in this paint aisle, okay? On what? I'm looking to get some inspiration. I want to paint my my room, but I, I don't know exactly what color I want to paint it in, and, and I figured asking a Home Depot employee might be the best mm-hmm. option for that sort of thing. No, but no, you sound... I, I, I brought this from home. This is my orange smock I brought from home. Look, I'm actually not wearing pants underneath here. Look, check it yeah, out. No, I noticed that. I thought it was a new Home Depot policy. Like, yeah, kind of a- hanging, hanging dong in aisle six. Hot dogs, aisle one. Well, would you be able to help me anyway? It's just to pick out a pink. Like, look, there's a big wall of colors here, and I just, I, I'm having trouble getting inspiration. Anybody else's aesthetic other than mine is probably better. Even yours, I'm going to guess your name is Gunther. I- I can't. I'm wildly depressed. Would you say that you're upset? No, I wouldn't put it quite like that. Do you have any sort of illness? Well, it's not clinical or anything like that. I'm just feeling a little blue. Hey, you should paint your room blue. Hey, do you want to see my d- again? No, please, God, no. I'll buy the blue paint. Give me the blue paint. <laughs> Lee freaks. I'll mind. Let's call it. This has been, we tried. This has we been tried. a real session, Paul. <laughs> 
real blue room session. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. not not our best. Uh, well, welcome to uh, the Third Men Podcast. Ninety nine episodes, and uh, this one ain't one. Thank you, James. I am Paul Kaminsky. I am your co-host for this Jack White History Podcast, and joining me, as always, on my right is Gunther. And, and on, on your left. left is James Kaminsky, your other co-host. This is, as Paul said, a Jack White History podcast in which we go over third band records, Jack White stuff, uh, tangential bands, uh, all sorts of stuff, TV shows, movies, what have you. And today, Paul, we're mm-hmm. going to be going over a different kind of medium that we haven't gone over before. Our very no- first one of these, I yeah. think. Where no man has gone before. Uh, no yeah. third man. has. Well, they've no. gone there before. No third men. At least. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We're going to be going over the blue series, the story behind the color. James, I'm very excited about this. We've never done a book review on the podcast before, and this one is written, I guess you could say, you know, this one's been compiled and put together, shall we say, by friend of the show. Acquaintance. And at best. <laughs> I'm going to say friend of the show. Can we say nemesis and- of the show? Nemesis of the show and Third Man Records co-founder and co-owner Benjamin LeClaire Blackwell. Yes. What do you think his middle name is, James? Jeffrey Jenkins. Benjamin Haphazard Blackwell. Benjamin Chandler Blackwell. All right, look, man, I don't want to bring this up, but Chandler is the stupidest name I've heard in my life. So we're really excited about this. This is a wonderful book. I got to tell you, James, we were talking about this the other day. Mm. I've been enjoying sitting in my my rocking chair because we are recording this on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying sitting on my fatherly rocking chair reading this book whilst listening to Blue Room Singles on a Saturday morning with my cup of coffee. And let me tell you, it's been quite a lovely time. And uh, if you haven't, for some reason, picked up the Blue Series book, The Story Behind the Color, compiled, edited, and written by Benjamin Chandler Blackwell. It's barely even a word, okay? It's kind of like chandelier, but it's not. Uh, You really should, because I don't know at the time of this recording if they're still available, but they've been doing some pretty interesting promos with them on the Third Man website. I got mine during one of those weird crash sales for like 30 bucks, but they've also got signed copies of them up uh, up on the website, the Third Man Records website, and they may still have a few left over today. So you really should pick it up because it is a tremendous book. Yeah, it is really good, and if you haven't heard any of the Blue Series singles, which are kind of critical to understanding a bit of this book, although you could just read them as interviews to be sure, I, I highly recommend those. Uh, me and Paul have been doing the same thing today, which is going through a lot of our Blue Series singles, to which I found I have way more than I thought I did, so that's fun. Yeah. I have a, I have a whole stack right here that, that me and Ariel were going through. Really? Um, Let me see yeah. your stack, James. I got a big, look at this stack. Like you were in the Home Depot. Oh, that's pretty good. If I was in Unsolved Mysteries, I would have uh, one Robert stack. This is my, my stack is smaller than yours, but that's okay. This oh, yeah. is my stack. Yeah, we got good stacks. We got good. We, we got, got good. I got. Uh, this is this is good audio right here. Hold on, I'm gonna rustle them by the microphone. Is this ASMR? Is this what ASMR is? <laughs> so what we're gonna do? What we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the book. We're going to give a little review of uh, the book and some things we enjoyed about it. We're not going to share too much for the book because we want you all to go and buy it mm-hmm. and uh, and to enjoy it for yourselves. But we're going to talk a little bit about it. And then we're going to go through and pick a few singles, a couple choice cuts that we love from the Blue Series. And we're going to talk about those. And, you know, we're going to play a little music. We're going to do a little dance. We're going to make a little love. But anyway, hungover or not, here we are. And we're going to do this thing, James. <laughs> but uh, I, there might 
might be something we want to do first. Paul, have you have you read it in a newspaper lately? Uh, I, I think we were going to do the same one, James. No, Pop- I haven't done whatever the segment is that you I don't you're remember what we called it last time, but... Oh, uh, I've forgotten it. Well, every morning I deliver the news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we call this segment. <laughs> James, this, whatever it was that we call this segment, we're going to be discussing something new that happened in the third man world around the time of this recording, because mm. that's just the kind of timely stuff you're going to get on this podcast. But James, there was a few things this week that happened in the third man world. We got a we got a first listen on a new Rack and Tours single. We got uh, some magazine covers by the Racks overseas. There was a few magazines that were covering the Racks. It's not quite the blitz that uh, the Boarding House Reach Tour was giving us, but there was there was a considerable amount. But there's one thing, James. I know you and I are very excited about, and I can see by the look on your face right now. Oh yeah, big look, big look energy. We are thinking the exact same thing, and that is new music. New music by, one. by you do it. You, oh, Lily May Rishi. Lily May Rishi. Lily May Rishi. Lily May released news that she is releasing her second album. She she kind of hinted at it during the 10 year anniversary show but the news came out that her new album is going to be coming out soon yeah august 16th titled other girls yes and along with that rolling stone was able to link to a specific new song new single that's coming out on the album yeah we got a new song that, that we got a new song called you've got other girls for that which uh, came with it an accompanying new music video. So that's very exciting because we haven't seen anything new from Lily May in a little while, 2018. You know, she was out there touring and stuff, but she was a little on the quiet side. But we're very excited to have new material from Lily May this coming summer, which is a lot sooner. You know, oftentimes... James, I feel like we've been getting album announcements in, like, January, and the album doesn't come out until, like, July. So, like, it's nice that we get this crazy surprise announcement, and then, boom, the album will be out in not that long of a time. We got, what, two months? Something? That's not that long. Something like that, yeah. It's a quick turnaround between announcement and retail, which I'm excited about. I've been kind of jonesing for some new Lily Mae music, and the the 10-year anniversary show kind of gave me a little bit of stuff to listen to. But I wanted... I want new stuff. And, And actually... Through listening to some of these Blue Series singles, I had rediscovered some some forgotten Lily May songs uh, that, ah, I, yes. that I had on there. Specifically, Nobody's and The Same Eyes. Same um, Eyes. Yeah, Same but we'll, eyes. we'll get to that later. Yeah, this the, the new song is good. I don't know. Uh, did you watch the, the music video, Paul? I did, yes. I So I saw the music video, and I, and I heard the song. This one's giving me major Over the Hill and Through the Woods vibes mm. in that that song was the lead single and not my favorite on the record. Yeah, okay. I liked what she wound up doing arrangement-wise with Over the Hill and Through the Woods live. She kind of sped it up a little bit and filled in some of the blanks because there's a lot of, like, uh, I don't know, inconsistent isn't the right word, but it's sort of erratic uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in how it's... And just the, the actual sonic quality is just sort of erratic. It's, it's bounce around. So I got I that mean, it's same. Gotta go fast. <laughs> so I got that same vibe from this one, and I liked it okay. Uh, Over the hill and through the woods had to grow on me. This one I think is going to have to grow on me. But you know, then again, while I wasn't super enthused about the lead off single last time, I really wound up loving the album and like a song like Honky Tonks and Taverns and things like that. Just 
made up for any maybe lack of enthusiasm I had for the opening single. But it was nice to hear new music from her. I like that little Christmas song we got yeah. last holiday season. And the music video for this one is is cool. It's a little like... 50s I, nostalgic almost in yeah. certain ways. It's, I, I want to say it feels more like a Margot Price video than it does a Lily Mae video in that there's yeah. a lot more dressing up. There's a lot more costumery. A lot more, yeah. It feels less like she's playing music to the screen and more like there's a story being told and i i definitely enjoyed the video quite a bit that's it's, new for her that's yeah. she usually does more straightforward kind of things yeah and this one seemed to involve some acting maybe a little bit and like you said costuming and there's set changes and i think it's just the idea is that she is playing other girls throughout the thing yeah i know a uh, friend of the yeah. show joe shaken all over had commented that uh, she had some serious margot robbie vibes uh, with the blonde wig, uh, which mm-hmm. I got. And I got some Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction vibes with the short black hair. Yeah. Good video. I, I enjoyed it. It felt almost a little serious for her. She, yes. Um, the tone of it was more of a, I've been hurt, and this is me showing that I've been hurt. Uh, sure. Personal. Yeah, definitely. And, and and again, the music is good. I We don't know anything about the new record really yet, but I'm assuming that a lot of the same players played on this most of what we know is that it's been produced by dave cobb who is a an american record producer uh from nashville uh who has apparently worked with people like sturgill simpson and chris stapleton uh shooter jennings and stuff and the first one was produced by jack right yes i believe so. yeah so it'll be interesting to hear i wonder if this one's going to sound a little more like rain on the piano than the last one did yeah, it does seem like Third Man is throwing some more production assets her way. Really? Huh. At, I, don't, at, I, I almost get the same, a similar vibe, only with a Jack disconnect. Because the last time, I don't know if you remember the debut, the announcement of her record, I think, as I recall, it was in December, and it was a photo of her and Jack. Mm. And so that, on its own, is, like, telling. Okay, mm. they felt as though, at that point in time... They needed Jack in that shot to help build the anticipation. Then I think the record came out in March. So now there's no Jack in any of the imagery, although he is mentioned quite a bit in the press for Mm. it. And also she'll be opening for the Raconteurs. In fact, I think I'm seeing her with the Raconteurs at my show at the Greek, which will be great actually I, I look forward to hearing that'll be it's funny that'll be three years in a row i've seen lily may rishi that's <laughs> like that's nice. how it used to be with jack you know but yeah, yeah no i'm very excited for that and i'm super excited for new music from lily you know we, we're both big lily fans and uh james before we leave this segment there was just one more country related third man adjacent thing i wanted to mention in terms of new music oh i was gonna say is it that um Margot Price had her baby because that was a thing. It has to do with Margot. Yeah, well, there's that. The baby, Margot's baby was born. I don't remember the name, but uh, the baby looks lovely. Uh, no, uh, she produced, it looks like, I think she produced it, or she co wrote at the very least. It sounds like Jeremy Ivy, her husband Jivy, is putting out an album of his own, not on Third Man, that uh, Margot had a hand in making. And as, he, as we know, Jeremy Ivey co-writes a lot of Margot stuff to begin with, and so if those two are co-writing, it's going to sound an awful lot like new Margot Price material, I imagine, only without her wonderful voice. So I'm actually interested and intrigued to hear more from Jeremy Ivey because, uh, you know, I think he's a very talented musician and a, and a very good songwriter, so that's exciting too. So more new country coming out of the Third Man yeah. Records universe. 
I'll give Javi a chance. Yeah. And, uh, Paul, I think that'll do it for the news. Uh, you know, you can leave it on my windowsill. The the mailman, he brought the, the paper. The paper's newspaper. The segment's over! Well, James, let's talk about the Blue Series book, The Story Behind the Color, shall we? Let's, let's shall. The book opens with a couple prefaces, one forward by David Frick, and uh, another preface by Ben Blackwell, the compiler and writer of this book. Yeah, uh, so David Frick, noted Rolling Stone journalist, uh, gave a nice little forward for the book where he, you know, described the different stuff going on at Third Man and uh, what the advent of the Blue Series was like as a music journalist looking to be excited by something, you know, and I think the the gist of David's forward was lovely, which was the fact that, you know, Third Man is trying to bring some sort of level of excitement and an unexpected quality back to the music business. And for somebody jaded seeing every release coming out all the time, you're going to want to see interesting stuff every now and again or stuff that's not really being done. And the Blue Series project is quite an interesting project for that. Mm-hmm. As we know, it started... About 10 years ago, now, you know, in the middle part of 2009. So, yeah, they've been at it for a decade. And the Blue Series chronicles different artists, all photographed under essentially the same conditions in a blue sort of drop cloth, you know, sort of setting. And there's a couple rules in place. It it, it seems like it's got to only be one artist. It's got to be produced by Jack White. There's only an A and a B. And the material is generally not used elsewhere. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Lily Mae Rishi, you know, put out a Blue Room series single, but none, neither of those songs wound up on the album, and very rarely do you see that happen. I think there's a couple exceptions to that. I think one of my picks is one of the exceptions to that. But So that's the, the gist of the Blue Room. And when I started collecting these things, I wasn't really sure what distinguished a Blue Room series single from like a blue room sessions single or a just a regular third man single it sort of seems a little nebulous but the one thing that you you kind of can use as a guiding light is the is the imagery and jack is very good at distinguishing media with distinct imagery and so this one you yeah. really can't miss these things they they do have a distinct look to the packaging which is really i think one of the main things that distinguishes them from the other stuff beyond the yeah. sort of conceptualization well, like, of the single i mean i was in the same boat as you when we were discovering these in in the the late aughts i would see you know these blue records all similarly photographed and go okay that's obviously a series of things that he's doing right or that third man is doing. And then, you know, you would see a green one with Conan O'Brien on it. And you're like, well, that's similar, but right. it looks like there's a couple green ones. So I guess that's a separate one. So he's using color again. Jack White's very good with using color uh, to his advantage. And the green series is more interview based and culturally based. And the blue series seems to be artists who are in town, want to do a couple singles, an A and a B side uh, to throw out. And Ben explains this later on uh, in his interview with jack and in his preface that this is basically artists coming in doing an a and a b side because they are there and available and it's something third man will put out and have available in perpetuity and it as we start learning in the book adele was supposed to be the first person to do a blue series single and actually turned it down 
Uh, and Ben uh, talks about how grateful he is for that happening. Because Adele turned it down, uh, they were able to focus more energy on smaller bands. And that's what a lot of the Blue Series kind of resulted in is, is a lot of smaller bands that might not have as much attention uh, that they deserve. Yeah. And Third Man is able to take what their take their music, put out a single, have it available constantly for like a musician like Dwayne, the teenage weirdo. Like right, you right. wouldn't, no one would actively pursue that around the country unless you're already familiar with him. Right. But Third Man is able, they're in a position to be able to sell this to hundreds of thousands of more people who are interested in Third Man records uh, and know that Third Man Records has a specific taste. And there's a, uh, a population there who would buy stuff from Third Man and who might get exposed to this music that wouldn't normally be exposed to it. And, and they were in a unique position to do that. Right. So you and I, for instance, you know, we are already prone to be buying Third Man Records merch. <laughs> And yes. so we're already plugged into that sort of system. And so, you know, the only reason we would have ever heard about some of these groups is through the Blue Series. And so it's a, it's a smart thing that Jack did. It's like, or Jack and Ben, I should say, did. It's an anthology-style series. And I think in our first interview with Ben Blackwell, spoilers, we did talk about that he was maybe trying to compile... Didn't he mention something, James, about compiling the Blue Room singles into LPs and putting them out, but they couldn't get all the different record label permissions or something that was like for, that? Yeah, that was for a vault, an early vault they wanted to do, I believe, uh, right. was, was combining them all. They Which, were able to do it... They did it for the 3 RPM, I think. They were able to compile a bunch for the 3 RPM, but they weren't able to get like a vault thing for every single act yeah. that was in there. Yeah. Which would have been neat, actually, because that is actually a pretty cool idea. But yeah, the, the, the Blue Room stuff started kind of serendipitously and without them meaning to make it happen. They just sort of kind of fell into it a couple times, and then it just kept rolling and, and it became more of a series. Paul, you mentioned a, a drop cloth situation. It's The, the room that it's, they're photographed in is actually blue concrete, and I wouldn't have known until oh, really? a couple I months ago. It's in the Blue Room where the music's going on and they painted the entire room blue interesting uh, to to better photograph the bands and stuff that are in there at the time so and there, there's no corners there's no corners in the room so the the wall curves down onto the floor which makes it extremely annoying to lean against <laughs> however it makes for very good photography because it looks like there's no room there like it looks like an infinitely scaled room because the the corners don't have that sharp line that kind of divides the wall from the floor so you can really only tell through some some kinds of lighting that the the wall is there but the color they landed on because uh, they wanted to uh, be have the option to green screen certain things out with with photography and with the bands on stage and stuff and so they they had two choices green or blue and Jack had already insisted on painting their storage rooms green, so they went with blue. And that's sort of just how it goes. <laughs> well, now, d- does it also coincide with the color choice for Jack's solo projects, which is blue primarily? I don't think so, I- at least not in the, um, in the interview with Jack that Ben does. So Jack says, It was painted blue. The color was about being able to take photos and film videos. We needed a background we could use for a green screen. Either cobalt blue or lime green would work, but I 
wanted to use green in the third man buildings for storage. So it just sort of turned out that the logical place to take photos for the covers of these records was the blue room. After we did the first one, I guess we started calling it the blue series. So this book we're talking about, you know, is Ben Blackwell providing interviews with artists involved in the blue room series, as well as Jack White himself for an extended interview in the beginning, which I, was really really interesting stuff and and basically to paint a picture of how the project came about and to give you background in whatever way was possible from some of some selections of each of the artists that participated in one way or another sometimes they're interviews sometimes it's more like a couple memories hobbled together sometimes it's like an email that he sort of got or sometimes it's just the photo of the record and some details on the back so it's not always consistent sometimes you get more stuff than others and uh, for instance there's a really long really great interview with wanda jackson in here about her blue room single which would go on to really spawn her record that she did with uh, jack called the party ain't over but then sometimes it's a little bit shorter and in case of some of them it was it was just an email or just a photo so this is via the third man website and this is just the sort of official breakdown of the book here but Includes an extensive interview with Jack White covering the span of the series, musicians involved, recording techniques, and the direct influence of the series on his own career, meaning Jack's. Interviewees include Stephen Colbert, Dwight Yoakam, Courtney Barnett, Kate Pearson, Wanda Jackson, Insane Clown Posse, First Aid Kit, Mildred and the Mice, Dex Romweber, Lily May, Ruby Amonfu, and more Blue Series artists. Now that's a quite a list of artists there, including, I might add, Courtney Barnett, which is amazing. I Sometimes, I sometimes forget that she did one of these. It's nuts. It's before she got famous. It was right around the yeah. time. In these exclusive interviews, artists describe their Blue Series recording experience and behind-the-scenes look at their own creative process and the creative process of producer Jack White. The immediacy of the recordings and unusual circumstances create stories rife with insight and interesting moments. Features unseen photos of the artists, including Jack, plus an interview with principal photographer Joe I am going to mispronounce that. McCaffrey? McCowry? Uh, McAllister. (laughs) James, what's that site you use to pronounce things? Google. (laughs) McCoy. 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 Dr. McCoy. (laughs) Joe McCoy. Anyway, he's a photographer. That's fun. Good luck editing that, James. A sample playlist of Blue Series songs curated by editor Ben Blackwell will be included via download card. And that's true, although when I tried to go download the songs via the download card, my Mac said, this site is rife with virus. You mustn't go here. And I don't (laughs) actually know how to get around that. So I've got my download codes sitting pretty in this and no way to access them. So... Forward written by David Frick, who is one of the most recognizable names in music journalism. Mr. Frick witnessed the Dungeon Blue Series session and is the only journalist who has been in the studio during one of these recordings. Prefaced by TMR co-founder Ben Blackwell, the book also features contributions from TMR co-founder Conciliary Ben Swank, longtime TMR Queen of Hearts Bonnie Bowden, and TMR editor Chet Weiss. Over 100,000 copies of the Blue Series 7-inch vinyl singles have been sold with digital streams and downloads combined. Actual consumption is over 1 million. Now that number strikes me as high. And when you said hundreds of thousands earlier, I was going to go so far as to correct you because I thought that seems high. But I guess cumulatively it, it makes sense. 
You know what I mean? Because like, I, how many people are taking a chance? That that's the smart thing about doing these like a series. They're like trading cards, and you kind of have to yeah. collect them. So that's like Mildred and yeah. the mice is not selling a million, but no. I love that over a million people c- at least could have witnessed Mildred and her mice. All three of the mice. The number I gave kind of correlates to, and this is telling of our time, but their Facebook fan likes okay. of Third Man Records has 200-some thousand like likes on that Facebook page. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, so there's at least 200,000 people who want to follow them on Facebook. And if you're doing that... There's a good chance that you're going to see these records at right. a store okay. and be interested at the very least. Okay. But that's really cool. Like, I love the idea that some of these artists are getting that kind of crazy. And, you know, the bigger name artists are probably buoying some of the others. But that's what I love about this series. Like, when we were kids trading cards on the playground, if you got Thanos, you're like, well, who cares? Well, now he's a big star or whatever. But you wanted Wolverine. Everybody wanted it. Right. So, but, all right, let's use another example. Pregnant Quasar. If you were to get Pregnant Quasar in a trading card, you'd be like, well, what the is this i don't want this but you have to kind of have it to complete the series don't you you have to have pregnant quasar in there so that's that's for you i preferred the better a bill card <laughs> uh from the 1997 top no that wasn't tops who had the ones where you could like fill out like nine uh cards to make a scene skybox that's skybox skybox yeah. that's the one yeah i think it was like the 97 skybox <laughs> set had the better a bill card in a in a weird thor like thing and i didn't care about any Thor characters, but it had Better A Bill and a Frog Thor. What's not to love? I know. We are getting off topic, Paul. I know, but it's the same idea. Like uh, Jack <laughs> is really treating these a little like trading cards, and so I think actually the I think actually James surprisingly we're kind of on topic. Uh, oh, wow. th- yeah, there's a little right. <laughs> there's a little more here from the from the third man so I'll just finish up here. It's the brainchild of Jack White, the Blue Series started in tandem with Third Man Records, White's Nashville based record label founded in two thousand nine, built on a simple premise of seven inch forty five RPM singles, all recorded in the same studio with the same producer, Jack White, with photos taken in the same locale. Third Man Records on-site Blue Room, and manufactured at the same pressing plant, United Record Pressing, a stone's throw from TMR's offices. And I wonder if that's still true in the advent of Third Man Pressing in Detroit. I wonder if they're still doing those at United or not. That's interesting. But it's possible. I know they were. They didn't cut ties with United. Yeah. Uh, it is also the 1993 Skybox Marvel set that had the better Ray Bill that I love so much. Uh, Paul, this better show up in the Facebook images uh, that have to do with the episode. Uh, the resulting, the resultant 40 singles impressively run the gamut of artists and styles, whether it's the wildly popular like Beck, the classic veteran Tom Jones, the character Stephen Colbert, the polarizing insane clown posse, or previously unknown performers making their debut releases. The Blue Series is the perfect snapshot of what Third Man, and by extension Jack White, have focused on and championed for the past seven years. There's quite a bit more here. And so anyway, uh, we're really, really lucky, I think. It's pronounced Loki. He's also on that (laughs) nine-card series. I think we're very lucky that... A guy like Ben Blackwell is A, at third man, B, related to Jack, and C, given the platform to do crazy stuff like this, because 
as he's well, like meant, he said, he's a fan. Right. That's the, the title of his preface. Right, but like he's we perfect. could very easily not. Like he could just he could be surrounded by sycophants like us or something. Well, no, that's not even fair. He could be surrounded by people who don't understand what a fan kind of wants. And when I'm reading this book, this is exactly what I want. Like I'm reading this going, I would have loved background. You know what I used to do? I used to go to Amoeba. I'd pick up a Blue Room series single. I'd take it home. And then I would listen to it with a nice glass of Chardonnay. And I would Wikipedia things about that artist. Never. And it would never mention the fact that that artist did a Blue Room series single. Now I've got. And what's more punk than that? And (laughs) now I've got this book that'll tell me all kinds of stuff about it. All the details. Statistics for the love of God. He doesn't even need the Chardonnay. Comes with its own Chardonnay. Very excited about this. And by the way, it's a very slick pack. I don't know if we talked about this packaging yet, but we've got. Let's talk about the packaging. Well, why don't you start about the packaging? Sli- I've been rambling. Right, it's you talk about it, James. Okay. It's the book comes in a slip cover. It's got a nice image of a yeah, Blue Room series single. It's got soft touch slip cover. Um, oh, I like it. It's like inside, a mat. It's like a mat kind of finish. Yeah. Third Man it, book sixteen. So I guess this this is the sixteenth book in the Third Man books series and it's Mm -hmm. slick it looks like a blue room series single actually and in fact i think the dimensions are the dimensions of are that of a of a 45 single yeah wait i have a record right here and i have the slip cover right here hold on uh exact dimensions the exact dimensions it is actual size but it seems much bigger to me is a reference to it they might be giant song that why did i think anybody would get yeah it it fits in with the series it's in the it's shot with the blue room motif behind it it belongs with the set so if you add the set this would fit right along with it and inside the book it belongs in a museum it does um inside the belongs in a museum remember Indiana Jones Andiamo Jones Um, the Italian Indiana Jones (laughs) inside comes the book in hardcover um I hated uh, the snakes (laughs) (laughs) oh my I've cracked myself up Close your eyes, Mary. <laughs> Don't look. I'm on the Amo Jones. Well, the the book comes in a nice hardcover bound. Why book, does it always uh, have to a... be gnocchis <laughs> instead of Nazis? I hate the gnocchis. I'm stopping now. No ticket. It, it's embossed with the with the title, and it has a really nice record embossed on the on the front cover. There's no title on the front cover itself. It's it's very slick and modern like that. Right. Uh, Full size record embossed on there. Which for a minute I was like, should I put this on That's, my turntable? That is a semi serious question. Do you it think not. this? I I looked, I looked at the grooves. They are all the same size. Even if it swirls, there can't be music on this. <laughs> But that does seem like the kind of thing they would do. I know. And me and Ben did talk. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't believe I don't believe there's any music on it. But the idea sprang to our heads. And that's kind of yeah. probably what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And maybe they wanted to ruin a couple record players so that they could get you to buy their Crosley Third Man record one. Yeah. Who knows? Along with that comes with a, a little snippet, like a paper interview with Beck oh, that yeah. comes out so that you can get a little preview interview. Um, <laughs> now, is that the one included then, in the thing? Hold on, I gotta find this Beck one. No. So here's my question. And oh, I th- did they just forget? I, I think I, I can't prove this, but I'm wondering if maybe this interview came in a little too late for the actual printing of the book. 
And so maybe they had to include it in an insert like this to make sure it got to people. But no, this interview is unique to this yellow insert and is not actually found in the book, which, again, should have asked Ben about, did not. But regardless, it is a a a fascinating interview, and I'm glad that they were able to get Beck involved in this, even if it was a little on the late side. Well, it just shows how much dedication Blackwell had to getting this right, is that even if something came late, he made sure that it was included with the book. Right. So on the inside back cover, James, let's do this. Let's have a little fun yes. with this here. Yes. On the inside back cover, it comes with a record inside a little sleeve that you have to rip off the, the thing, which I yeah, definitely Yeah, if you want to destroy think. your book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to pull mine out, and we're going to see if it's the same one, because I'm not sure okay. if I actually read if it was the same or not, but I think... You and I actually had talked about this beforehand, and I think they actually might be. So, James, what is your side A? I have uh, side A is Gloomy Sunday by First Aid Kit, TMR 452. Uh, That is mine as well. And on the back, I have Gibby Haynes' I I Feel Lucky Tonight. Yes, so I, it looks like, at the very least, me and Paul have the same one. But very cool that you get a record in this thing. Yeah. And especially, it's a Blue Series single that includes two songs by different artists, which is unique to the Blue Series, really. Yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. You were channeling a little Carson there. Pretty weird, wild stuff in here. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Hold on, let me, uh, let me see. Um, I'm curious if these are the same as the ones on the Blue Series singles. Uh, they do give you a little bit of background, I think, uh, to the new songs in Ben's uh, in Ben's writings in here. So, uh, Paul, these are unique singles, not on the Blue Room. Oh, series. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. So these are ones that were not recorded uh, for these, at least in the case of First Aid Kit. And let me look up Gibby Haynes. Okay, cool. And the Gibby Haynes one, so yeah, is also a different song entirely. Uh, I Feel Lucky Tonight, which I don't know if you listened to, Paul. I did. It's hilarious. It's really funny. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think actually Ben describes it. He writes of the song deceptively sweet and almost wholesome in its tone and melody. The lyrical subject matter of I Feel Lucky Tonight by Gibby Haynes is at absolute odds with its plucky ukulele and shaker accompanying it. It is a very delightful sounding song. All of it sounds like it should be the most positive thing you're hearing. And then the lyrical content is just the like seediest, yeah. darkest in the world. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's it really it really terrified my family on Saturday morning, James. <laughs> Ariel was like bopping along to it, and then it's just like yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like a one line that she went, "Wait, what?" And it's like, "Yeah, sorry." Yeah. When you crack this thing open, it's a beautiful layout. We get the forward by David Frick, and then we get a preface by Ben Blackwell. And it's really, again, lovely to hear from Ben and to hear, like, hey, he's like, hey, I'm just a fan. In fact, I think that's how he signs it. I'm, I'm still just a fan. And it, it's interesting to hear some of his thoughts on, on how to compile this thing. Then we get, like, a like a ridiculously long, super interesting Jack White interview from Ben. Yeah. And that was surprising to me. There's a couple surprises in here for me. Not that Jack wouldn't have participated in this, but I wasn't expecting that long of a Jack interview. And I also wasn't expecting a record, though. Those were two surprises for me in here, and I would have been happy without them, and we got them anyway, and so that's really, really cool stuff. Uh, the the jacket interview is very interesting. It's a lot like – or there's going to be a lot of ambient book noise, I think, on this episode. But uh, the Jack interview runs basically the, the stretch of 
how the Blue Series came about. It gives you some background. James mentions, as you said, the Adele rejection. Not rejection, but Adele, Adele, like, I guess this is around the time. This is, what, maybe the year after Adele recorded Many Shades of Black. And that's kind of before she really took off. And then she's still, I guess, friendly with Jack. And then we're talking 2009 now. And she was on the verge of becoming this phenomenon. And... Right. Jack approached Adele. Yeah, long story short, she didn't really feel the concept at that time, didn't really feel like doing it, whatever the reason. Didn't sound like there was any hard feelings, but she did turn it down, which is all fine because what it did was it took some of the pressure off. If Adele came out with this thing out the gate, suddenly it doesn't feel like a third man special kind of thing. It feels like an Adele single that just so happens to be blue. (laughs) Uh, But instead... You know, without Adele, what's the first what's what's the first single we get? We get Mildred and the Mice, which is, <laughs> if I'm reading this interview correctly, her only recorded work. So <laughs> yeah, there's wild speculation that Mildred might be Karen Elson, and I haven't found anything. Wow, disputing that. Wow, you're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, I, I mean, we're not going to go in depth on every single uh, record on here. Uh, we have to leave some mystery for you to. Mildred uh, is the first single, like you said, Paul. The picture is bizarre. The songs are bizarre. The interview is also bizarre. It's super bizarre. Yeah, she's and wearing this, in this in this picture. She's wearing this gigantic wig, some comically s- distorted eyeglasses. She's hunched over in a weird position and there's mice hanging from her wig. There's mice yeah. in the wig. It's it's odd to say the least. I'm getting this from Exclaim, exclaim.ca. They had an article about this particular release at the time in from May of 2009. According to the description of Mildred and the Mice on Third Man's Distributors website, the mysterious goth milk toast Mildred appeared before Jack White at a hardware store in Kentucky. <laughs> she had no demo to give nor guitar with her, so instead she sang her song I Like My Mice Dead at the top of her lungs in front of several hardware store customers before quickly walking out of the store in shy earnest. Uh, she ha- hails from the Mammoth Cave area, but hasn't given the staff an age or current address. Wow. The, the article here is Jack White releasing single by wife karen elson question mark well um, now i'm looking at this thing and now that's all i'm seeing i it's it, i tell you though the picture it's is rumored the picture is such where it could kind of go either way because you do see yeah. her face but the glasses distorted and she's hunched in a weird way i tell you she is like the skin tone and general build of karen that's for sure yeah this article is basically saying it's it's hearsay it's rumor that it is her who knows for sure but i mean it's it's stuff like that where these kinds of rumors sprout and it spurns on more more love for the for the blue series the the mystery in these blue series singles uh, is part of the love of it like we like you said we don't get adele we get mildred and people are like <laughs> what the is Mildred and the mice. Yeah. She's got a song where she's talking about how she likes her mice and spider bites and it's it's nuts. They'll come back for more. So then you have Rochelle Garnier's. Yeah. So that's funny. Who, that that one is one that I have been seeing at Amoeba for years 
and have not felt the urge to pick up, but now I want to pick it up because I want the second one in the series. So this book is actually helping to fuel my collecting, which I really like, and it's a nice little bonus for Third Man. I assume it's doing that for others as well. But then you get, like, heavy hitters, like Jack White's Dreams of Producing, like Dex Romweber from Flat Duo Jets. Like, the Dex Romweber duo is the very next single, and it features Jack on guitar so he's throwing his weight on it he's doing stuff that he's always wanted to do uh again we're not going to go through all these but then you get to dan sartain which i find hilarious yeah. because there's nothing written about <laughs> I know. Dan sartain. I know. and and there is major beef between jack and dan really that i don't know really anything about well look james uh, not to dwell on the bat there's yeah. a lot there's, there's a lot of these stories in here it's a lot of good stuff and I think, James, what we should get to here is uh, we, we've each picked out a couple singles we just wanted to talk a little bit about for you all today. And we may even do this in a series moving forward where we pick some more Blue Room singles. But uh, James has picked four, right? And I've picked yes. four. And I've actually, I haven't really picked mine yet, but I'm going to look at them here and I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to make some, I'm going to shoot from the hip, James. I'm going to shoot from the hip. All I'm right. going to pick them. I'm going to pick them on the fly. Let's do three picks because that's a more Jack White number. Oh, and, yeah. Let's, you have to get going. let's shave it down. Shave it to yeah, the three. We'll shave it down. My first pick, Lily Mae Rishi, uh, the Blue Series single. Uh, side A of Nobody's and side B, The Same Eyes. Introduce me as a friend. You mean more than that. I can see it in your future without me Cause I'm nobody 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 Never have been, never will be uh, We have basically on this uh, the entire Jack White, Lazaretto, and like Lazaretto group. Yes. And slash Rack and Tours, because you have Jack Lawrence on bass. You have Whip Triplet on drums, who <laughs> we are still unsure if that's Jack White, but it probably is Jack White. <laughs> you have Carl Brommel on pedal steel. And then on side B, you have Dominic Davis on upright bass. And again, Whip Triplet on drums and Hammond organ. So you you have like some serious third man talent on this record. The songs are great. The same eyes are, is not my favorite, but Lily Mae even talks about that in her interview that that's not her favorite either. Nobody's is fantastic. Both of these songs she wrote on the road while touring with Jack. Uh, Nobody's has the, the same kind of twang that uh, you can hear in uh, temporary ground. So she does the nobody right. where her voice does that kind of pitch shift. And uh, I really, really love that song. Um, the interview in the book is fantastic. I learned a lot of stuff I didn't know about Lily in there, uh, specifically that between this single's release and uh, the Lazaretto tour, she had kind of disappeared from Third Man, and she had just left for a year. And then she came back, and Jack said, yeah, why don't you finish this up? And, and they kind of made amends. Uh, so I had no idea that that was a thing um, at that point. I but, um, didn't either. Uh, another funny yeah. thing to point out from that time period, this came out December 9, 2014. What comes out January 19th, 2015, 
Rain on the Piano, her solo record. Uh, yes. Comes well, out. she talks about that in yeah. the interview, even. Yeah. I don't know if, if you read that I one, haven't gotten to that one yet, actually. <laughs> she she talks about it briefly by saying, like, that was just a CD we made to pass out to people in Nashville, and the fact that people are buying them is bizarre to her. She doesn't consider that a release. She consi- That's just the CD she would hand to people to get in the door or, yeah. you know, to try and get a record made. And the fact that she used some of those on her true lily may yeah release yeah it's kind of kind of funny uh, do you think are her eyes actually blue i've never i don't think i've ever checked but they are blue to match the blue background so now i love this one i think james i don't know if i got this one for you i definitely got it for mike but when this one came out this may have been the first blue room single that i ever actually purchased for myself because at this point when this single came out i was not collecting records really I had, I think, uh, the first Jack one I ever even got was Lazaretto. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't really buying records at this point in time. But when this came out and I found, oh, okay, well, you can get this special edition, this little 45 here, and you can get it. And it has songs you can't really find elsewhere. I was like, okay. So I remember getting this one for myself and for Mike. I don't remember if I actually got it for you or not. I believe I bought this at at Princeton Record Exchange myself. And I got it because I recognized Lily May as, as one of the band members. Yeah. So anyway, great pick, James. We're going to hit my first pick here now, which is... And yes, her eyes are blue. Her eyes are blue. Well, there you go. My first pick here is Smoke Fairies, Gas Town, and River Song. Smoke Fairies, I'm holding it up here, James, so you can see. I love this single. It was one of the first Blue Room singles I ever bought as a freshly minted record collector, (laughs) just digging through bins and stuff and came across this one. Didn't know who they were, but was looking to pick up some Blue Series stuff. And I actually Mm. really enjoyed uh, both of these songs on here, Gas Town and River Song. They're They're both really cool. And I actually wound up also buying one of their records, after this, I found a, uh, one of their LPs and picked it up, and the LP was excellent. It was really good. I mean, it's more sort of ambient, kind of moody, low-key, oxycontin rock, you know, like low, very, mm-hmm. very moody, very sort of... Um, I don't know, moany is probably the wrong word, but it's it's certainly sort of in there. Uh, But it's uh, great, beautiful musicianship. The hooks, despite the slow tempo, are actually really compelling. And and I really love their harmony and and the way that they treated both of the arrangements on this. And it's funny, reading the interviews in the book, it sounds like it was not a long session. They sort of came in, they spent however many hours, did it, and then left. And then suddenly they're associated with Jack White for the rest of their lives. (laughs) And I think in the book somewhere it mentions that when they were on tour, somebody there was a rumor going around that Jack White was hiding in one of their uh, equipment cases. I don't know (laughs) how a rumor like that gets started, but I love it. And yeah, so I really love this single. Highly recommend people check out Smoke Fairies. And so that's my first pick, Smoke Fairies. Nice. Good one. And they found Uh, found Jack, by the way, by handing out, handing their single to the Dead Weather at a club in Britain. And they actually, they got the DJ to play the song, I think, on the dance floor. And and as they tell it in the book, it cleared the dance floor. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is exactly what Jack wanted. Which I thought was very funny. Uh, my next pick is Black Milk. Ooh. Which uh, side A has Brain, side B Royal Mega. This is the first rap record I ever bought proper, and it was thanks to Third Man Records, a place that, you know, wasn't known for rap. Yeah. And a really, really cool introduction to Black Milk, my first introduction to Black Milk, actually, and then I got really into it afterwards. A friend of mine at work, a co-worker, was, was a big fan of his, and I was like, oh yeah, I just got this record, and he was really excited about it and started sharing a whole lot of, a lot of other Black Milk songs with me, and... and opened the door to talking to him about some some good rap suggestions uh he was also a big run the jewels fan but uh yeah black milk uh this the the album has so much to love on it the songs are great in general uh brain it's itself is, is a really really strong song and on it you have aaron ab abernathy on the b3 organ you have malik hunter on bass and then you got daru jones on drums That's right and this is where daru yes. kind of shows jack white who he is and this is what we have to thank for Daru being a member of the team. And this, the drumming on this is solid stuff. Like, it's really, really good. I miss um, Daru. Yeah, um, I, I do too. But it was good seeing him at the tenure, and he's, he's obviously still hanging around every now and then. Anyway, uh, you also have Fats Kaplan on here on fiddle, which is fantastic as always. Friend of the show, Fats Kaplan. Uh, Keith Smith on trumpet, Justin Carpenter on trombone, Chris Gregg on saxophone, and on guitar. Paul, you have Jack White third. Uh, playing guitar on this track he also produces it yeah so that's my uh, second pick nice james and uh, my second pick here is the black bells what can i do side a and lies on side b is no uh, surprise to anyone listening here that I love Olivia Jean and, and you enjoy Olivia Jean as well, especially the Black Bells. And this is a wonderful, wonderful single featuring some songs as you, there's an interview in the book with Olivia featuring some songs, I believe at least what can I do was on her original surf mixtape. And James, I don't know if you remember, but back in that Olivia Jean episode, episode five, we were wondering what dead weather show she met jack at mm-hmm. do they, they say? do say it in there it was the yes. 2009 one at the magic stick which does make a lot of sense in fact had we dug like even slightly deeper it wouldn't have taken a lot to kind of <laughs> assemble a timeline there but uh it's there it's a wonderful 
series of tracks, and I love Olivia. I miss the Black Bells. I wish they'd do some more stuff, but it sounds like we're going to get new Olivia Jean music in the near future. She's been Instagramming about that, so I'm very excited about it. So that's my second pick, James. What can I do with the Black yeah. Bells? Um, uh, so my third and final pick, Paul, is a, it's a weird one for me. I picked it because I wasn't too familiar with it, and I wanted to learn a little more about it. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, side A is Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day by the Monkees originally, so he covers them. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Side B, High on a Mountain of Love. Yoakum, uh, obviously a big name star in his own right to have on a Blue Series single. It's one of those, uh, I shouldn't say higher end, one of the more well-known gets yeah, for these. like a Tom um, Jones type or, yeah. I, I've been saying it with all these. All You have like a third man house band going behind all these people. But with Dwight Yoakum, you have Dominic Davis on bass, Daru Jones on drums, Corey Ounce on piano, Lily May on fiddle, and Fats Kaplan on pedal steel. Paul, that's just <laughs> that's basically just between the Raconteurs and the Jack White yeah. uh, solo band. And then you have the same thing uh, on uh, B side as well. I found that uh, the pedal steel is really, really solid on this. Was a big fan of Fats's pedal steel, but also the the drums and fiddle. In my opinion kind of carried tomorrow's going to be another day i thought the recording wasn't as crisp as i was used to uh with some of these but it it was a solid uh showing by daru and fats and uh an interesting take an interesting more country twang take on tomorrow's going to be another day and high on a mountain of love uh solid track as well and this i thought uh cory ounce really kind of knocked it out of the park on this one with the Wurlitzer electric piano and hammond organ on there good songs good series single uh highly recommend dwight yokum got to know it a little bit better apparently uh funny story in the interview when he was asked by jack white to do one of these singles he asked does it have to be blues because he got confused because it was the blues series single and they said no it could be anything yeah so anyway that's my third pick. that's a great third pick james my third pick is laura marling the uh, blues run the game and the needle and the damage done maybe to space Wherever I've gone, wherever I've rolled them dice, wherever I have gone, the blues run the game. Send out for whiskey, baby, send out for gin. Me and room service, honey, me and room service, mama. Me and room service, we are living a life of sin. I, uh, I love this single. I love... Never heard it. Uh, yeah, I wound up loving Laura Marling, actually, and she's can, she contributed after this, I believe, to Karen Elson's Ghost Who Walks record as well. And so she sort of stayed, I think, in the in the third man periphery. But she's, she's this little English girl, 19 years old, I think, when she recorded this, singing Blues Run the Game and The Needle and the Damage Done, which is a Neil Young cover about drug abuse. And it's one of the quickest recorded Third Man uh, Blue Series singles. It's just her and an acoustic guitar. 
And uh, in the book, it's funny, in the interview they talk about, Blackwell says there's some debate about whether or not Jack actually, whether or not producing something is actually getting in there with the control room and turning knobs and or if you just give somebody a guitar, a certain kind of mic, and in a certain, if you're creating the circumstances for the recording itself, is that in and of itself production? I am, I would say the answer is yes. And so that was uh, maybe Jack's most minimalist production, but perhaps most intentionally minimalist production. Uh, if you haven't heard Blues Run the Game and the Needle and the Damage Done, it's excellent. That is my third pick, James. And that brings nice. us to the end of our discussion. What do you think? Well, what do you say we kick it to our third man for this week? Yeah, let's kick it to our third person. Let's go. So we would like to welcome our guest this week, Cena Grace. Cena, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Look at this gigantic audience. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, they're bountiful. Yeah, no, they're they're numbering in the tens. Um, <laughs> there are dozens of us. Yeah. So, uh, Cena, you are a visual artist. You are a comic book writer and artist. You also do merch for just a plethora Plethora or plethora? I it's feel like plethora. I always screw that up. It's a plethora. You put an A on the end of that? Yeah. Plethora. You put you do artwork for a plethora of bands, merch, things like that, and we are thrilled to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And all, everything you said is true. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, go uh, verify. We mainly the wanted source. to see your point of view on whether it's a plethora or a plethora or a plesiosaur. I'm a I'm a plethora kind of guy, but okay. you know that's just me. <laughs> okay, so uh, so we'll start here a little bit, just talking about how like what were some of your first forays into doing merch for groups, and and who were those groups? Is this something you've been doing since like high school, or was it a college thing, or was it more of like a working professional kind of stuff? Like, how did you get your feet wet on doing sort of like band artwork? I've been I've been trying for this sort of angle, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. Really, yeah, since uh, high school or early college. Like the first memory I have is I, I was at some Phantom Planet fan club party because I was in the Phantom Planet fan club. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd show like the the band members were there, and I was like showing them like my sketchbook of like unfinished artwork, being like I'd love to do something with you guys, and they're like Wow, thanks. And I think you know they understood that they were talking to a seventeen year old. <laughs> Yeah. And um, yeah. and then and then in college, I kind of kept trying and trying, and I made friends with this guy Adam Bush through uh, his then girlfriend Amber Benson. They're all Buffy alumni, okay, alumna, whatever. Plethora. And uh, he he's in a band called Common Rotation, and so I started doing pins for them, like little uh, one inch buttons and postcards and flyers, and uh, ended up kind of designing with a friend of mine, Sydney, one of their albums that was with this band, uh, the Dust Bowl Cavaliers. Oh, nice. And then there was a Bay Area band called Finest Dearest, where, same thing, I just, like, would go up to them and be like, I love you guys, if there's anything I can do, like, I really, you know, I, I want to be involved, because I can't, there's nothing worth sharing or proliferating <laughs> in terms of my musical endeavors, but it turns out I can draw the out of stuff so um, <laughs> so you know that that's where it sort of started and from there oh yeah and then in high school I did uh, a zine for Rilo Kylie and that came through Jenny she she asked me I had known her 
peripherally, you know, being a native Los Angelino and an OG Rilo oh, okay. Kylie fan. Yeah. And we were on a plane together. Uh, I was going to London. <laughs> she was going to Glastonbury for the. F- she was going. She was going to Scotland, but you know, uh, connecting mm-hmm, yeah. via London. And so we we're on the same plane, and and I had this like really bad experience where the flight attendant was so mean to me. Like I ran into her, and I was like, oh my god, and I was like chatting with her, and so excited. And the flight attendant was like, yeah. you need to like leave her alone. Like she 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 looks really <laughs> she looks really like uncomfortable and unhappy. And I had read like Jimmy Corrigan's Smartest Boy in the World on that flight, and it's like a four hundred page book and I didn't want to carry it with me through the UK so I totally gave it to her with like a comic strip inside just about how you know upsetting that was to spend eight hours on a flight thinking you know your hero hates you <laughs> and, wow. oh my God. and she came up to me after the flight and was like no like that face wasn't because of you that face was like probably because I had to be on a flight for eight hours and um, <laughs> and she said she was like oh my god the comic was so beautiful and I was like you already started reading it and she was like no not that one like the one you made in the you know in your note and uh, and so she asked me to do a little zine and and you know Rilo Kylie went one way I went to college and and didn't really keep in touch but between between those two points in our history I had gotten a few other opportunities and a few other bands uh under you know my I don't know what the term is. I, I drew a bunch of other bands. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, your under client, your belt. <laughs> yeah, your client list. Yeah, and, and that was partially a result of working uh, as an artist on The Little Depressed Boy. Me and the, oh, nice. and the creators, you know, Sean Struble, uh, we both love 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 music and 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 really believe in kind of making things as real as possible so through that you know childish gambino ended up being a a client because he wanted well he wanted a variant of the issue he shows up in so instead of it being like oh yeah he's like (laughs) in the book it's like oh but he's also a client because he commissioned a cover uh (laughs) so wow yeah and then so wait a minute wait a minute wait so you basically passed the note in class and kicked off this crazy music I mean obviously you were doing other things but I it's that's that's an amazing sequence of events is that how do you get connected like that to those? I mean, is it just a Los Angeles thing? I mean, being from the area, or were you, like, hustling a lot at that time? No hustling, per se. Because, like, honestly, anytime I've... With the exception of metric, everything has been, you know, a friend of a friend or a favor. But yeah. it's a... Uh, I think it's an L.A. thing, but, like, less... I don't know how to put it. It's not... It's not like, oh, I'm at these parties. It's like, I'm from here. I understand that these folks are human beings. Sure. And if the context is right to say hi to them. And and also, I think one of the main things I started doing recently, if ever getting involved with them, is really letting them know how they can, like, make money off of it. You know, like, with with Tegan and Sarah, I literally, like, went to their manager and was just like, this is the profit margin. I just want to get my friends into a concert. <laughs> like I'll do. Th- I want to do this poster for you. You're, you know, you'll make like twelve hundred dollars profit, and I'll get like three comp tickets. Like we good? And they're like, what? What's the catch? And I'm like, I just don't like spending money. Like I'd rather work twenty hours on a poster than than pay seventy dollars or going on StubHub or any you know any of that um, nonsense. Now, did you ever get any clientele through doing like? merch for a venue specifically like i know a lot of people do gig posters for 
different venues, like local artists. At least that's how it is in Philadelphia. And then they befriend bands and, you know, have a rapport after that. Did that ever come into play or is it always just knowing I've tried. I've, I've tried. Like when I went to UC Santa Cruz, I, I asked the Fillmore, I believe, and I think the Fillmore was like, oh, you're so cute. Um, <laughs> and then similarly, and by the way, the Fillmore, because you are a human, not a collection of humans. <laughs> I don't, don't hold me to that. That might be a lie. Sure. That was over. That was over. That was over two years ago. I can't remember. <laughs> and it was a simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I did. I had a friend who worked for the Palladium. Uh, not related to the Palladium poster I just did for Jenny, but I, I I had asked her, and she was like, "Oh, cool. We'll keep you in mind." Which ninety two percent of the time is like a very friendly shrug. Sure. But, uh, so, no, it's always been through the band or the management or, you know, through friends knowing the right people or whatever. Um, but no, I don't think it's like a, none of these things are like, I was at this cool party doing a rail of blow off like, you know, Tatiana Maslany's belly. <laughs> I, I don't even, sorry, Tatiana Maslany, I don't even know you. Um, and I don't do coke. But, um, it's never been that. Like, with Childish Gambino, it, it happened because I saw him at a cafe, and I knew that Struble was a huge fan of him, so I, I went up to him and I said, like, I'm really sorry to bother you, but my friend, like, loves you and would be so honored knowing that you have their work. And I had a copy of Little Depressed Boy Volume 1, so I handed it to Donald, and he was like, oh, I've heard of this. Danny Pudi was reading it, because they were all on Community wow. at the same time. Yeah, and so he was like, oh, give me, give me, a, you know, give me their Twitter, and, and, and I, I gave him Struble's Twitter, and uh, Donald tweeted, like, oh, Little Depressed Boy is the shit, know this, or something, and so uh, I guess the LA thing is, I knew that the next step was find a friend who has IMDb Pro, find Donald Glover's like management on IMDb Pro and yeah, email that yeah. person for permission to use the quote on a cover um, right. and from there you know we were very like oh my god we're big fans like we'd love to like if you want to have an ad for camp in the book like we'd be more than happy to and Donald's manager was like well that's a little like too on the nose and Donald doesn't really like to do anything like on the nose like how about he's like like how about Gambino's in the book and and, th and then it went from there so it, it is right. it, it is weird and I guess it's it is location based but mm -hmm. you know I would say like again being from here and understanding when the right moment to talk to someone is and when the right moment isn't is sort of the equation that I can't I can't give people you just sort of have to figure it out and 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 read the room and read the situation I yeah. mean I think you you said it earlier when you you said it's important to treat people like human beings celebrities tend to be objectified in that way and I know that was a bit of a shock for me when I came out here to Los Angeles because I was not used to seeing celebrities in the wild said i mean they're just people they're just working they're just here to work so yeah as long as you treat them like humans i guess that's the real trick now i i want to mention you and i met through comics but you've rattled off some names of bands here that you know james and i are really into like <laughs> for instance metric i am a huge metric fan you know obviously we talked about jenny a little bit tegan and sarah all these so when you were growing up and uh you know especially in that age when you started to look at doing merch for bands maybe a little more consistently what's your musical sweet spot mm -hmm. where, where do you fall on the musical spectrum let's call it yeah i think <laughs> i guess i've i've coined it now women with something to say there you go. uh <laughs> is, yeah. is my taste because you know like 
I don't I don't think Emily Haynes is the same as Jenny Lewis is the same as Tegan and Sarah is the same as Leslie Feist is the same as Karen O is the same as Kathleen Hanna you know is the same as Janelle Monet is the same as Solange like um but at the end of the day they're all women who have something to say okay and I think it's the I'm still trying to find like the most appropriate way to to define this but you know I I think there is I think there's some magic in their femininity that that sometimes guys don't don't bring into a song or sometimes guys are just so focused on singing about kind of like the same four subjects you know like like damn like how many you know how many like ryan adams songs are about like a girl who's put him through the ringer yeah and, yeah. and then we learned it's like actually he put them through the ringer and then twisted the story to make himself <laughs> yeah. the victim. And yeah, those those bargain bins have been filling up with his stuff at Amoeba lately. <laughs> I yeah. So you know, and and actually it's funny because like before all of that stuff, I don't know. I, I was always just fine with him, but it sucks because I was in the mood to listen to the prisoner, and then I tried, and I was like, I can't anymore. Like, ugh. I know. Um, I know. The the only one I I ever really loved from him was Cold Roses. Mm. Or, uh, that country record he made and I really liked that one when it came out and I saw that tour but yeah fortunately I guess for me I never really gravitated to much more of his stuff but I haven't actually tried to listen to Cold Roses since I don't know that uh, that's going to be a weird that, this is a whole tangent but that's yeah. <laughs> that one is going to be weird trying to re-engage with Michael is going to be weird if I do like when I hear that stuff come on now I'm just like ugh god Oh yeah. yeah, but I just I've canceled Michael Jackson from my. I mean, I mean that's a whole other story, and that's another episode entirely because I've not done <laughs> yeah. work for either of those people. Um, right, but but to get onto your point of female singers with something to say, me and Paul are both uh, familiar with you know Jack White's philosophy of good art and good music comes from struggle and hardship a lot of the time, and uh, if anybody knows that, it's. Uh, females and uh, <laughs> the, and women the, in music specifically. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of struggle and hardship involved in that that a lot of men don't necessarily have to go through. So they kind of rely on you know crushes and love as a crutch. Not necessarily saying that that doesn't make it art, but I'm saying that you know there's a lot of strong, particularly female voices in music. Yeah, and yeah. and with like. You know, like, I think that's the thing, too, with, I think maybe the connective tissue for myself and, and with, like, female singers, too, is is that there is there there can sometimes be a political angle to it. You know, it definitely with uh, a band like Metric, you know, they will, they, the songs will have a very direct references to sort of things that make our, our world a dystopia. Um, you know, oh, yeah. same with, like, Sleater Kinney, and, and as someone who's writes kind of, <laughs> you know, get, kind of get stretched out and and pulled back like a rubber band. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm raised. Yeah. I was raised by you know all women, so I, I'm also in touch with uh, a compassion and sensitivity that sometimes. And that's the thing is Jack White is kind of like a stellar iconic musician, um, and and one of the like one of my favorites. But otherwise, you know, a lot of that music is crowded with dudes who have not much to say and I think that's why Kendrick Lamar is like becoming this universal sort of asset yeah mm-hmm. it's because he's managed to you know kind of like Jay-Z he's like he's like taking this thing and moving it in another direction and, and finding other things to say beyond kind of like gloating about wealth jewelry and 
sex. Right. Yeah. Well, we uh, we just did an episode about the Jack White Jay Z collaboration that wasn't. Uh, they <laughs> they started working on an album ten years ago and then it just sort of fizzled. But they they did put down a couple tracks and in through the course of doing that research, it was funny. Jack identified that he feels more of a kinship to hip hop artists sometimes more like in the Jay-Z mold and then later on the Kendrick Lamar Kendrick Lamar's and Tyler the Creator types because whether they know it or not or whether they're doing it intentionally or not they're kind of like singing the blues in a lot of ways and I feel like uh, you know the blues is is a um, it the blues transcends whatever we think the cliche of you know some old fellow sitting up by you or whatever doing you know singing the blues is is sort of truth I think Jack often associates one with the other and so like you guys were both saying a lot of these female artists these days I mean James and I are huge fans of the, not only the people that you've mentioned but people like Margot Price and uh, the, the unifying factor tends to be that search for the truth right it's that that bluesy you know, core. Yeah, yeah, I vibe with that. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. All right, I sold you. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm in. I'll buy. I'll buy 200 shares of that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Jenny, because uh, we we mentioned on the show before Jenny Lewis, uh, not never a direct collaboration with Third Man Records, but Jenny and Johnny did perform in the Blue Room, and there's a wonderful live direct acetate record that came out of that, and so we know they've interacted at least on some level, and we I think. I'm speaking for James here. James, I'm sorry, I'm speaking for you. I, w- I think we would both love to see what those two would do together, but let's let's talk a little bit more about how your artwork with Jenny Lewis sort of blossomed, because for her rec- most recent release, On the Line, you've been doing a lot. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, yeah, it, it was very organic. I had started working with her again uh, after the Voyager came out. She, I, I like, posted something on Twitter or Instagram, and she she found it and liked it and then got back in touch and was like, hey, do you want to do an Aloha and the Three Johns comic? And I was like, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> and then for the Rabbit Fur Coat 10th anniversary, I handled a lot of merch on that as well. And the thing that kind of, the through line is, and, it, and it's the case with a lot of musicians, they're very driven by like instinct and gut. And, and you don't really know when you've like landed it till you've landed it, if that makes sense. And yeah. um, and so with On the Line, you know, we were talking about some stuff and, and I just was like, OK, well, you know, let me in. Like, let me if I as much access as I can, as you're willing to give me, help me out. And, you know, and I can hopefully give you something better and, and have it not be ever a reaction. And so I was really lucky to kind of hear these songs evolve a bit and grow and um, but I didn't know I didn't know what was going to get used and what wasn't. So I spent like a year just drawing uh, a bunch of stuff. We and and that was the thing. We had a conversation. I was like, look, instead of paying per illustration, how about like we work out a variation on a retainer? Um, yeah. And then that way you're not you can kind of throw everything at me, and then I can also go take detours. And none of us have to worry about the tab. Sure. And so from there, we got a lot, a lot of stuff um, that ended up kind of getting used. And and it was the, but it was the Spotify tarot cards that sort of were like, whoa. And that was. Yeah, those things blew up. Yeah. And, and that was, that was very, um, you don't know. You never know when something's going to be the thing, I guess, is, is all I, I've learned out of this life. Um, and and that was sort of an, an idea we'd been tinkering with. And then the magic of deadlines kind of 
crystallized the concept uh, because originally they were I I had told Paul this like they were going to be very dense very dense layered uh, images with like like piles of meaning and there's still piles of meaning because you're dealing with tarot and 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 I did a lot of uh, I don't know what the right word is not research or analysis but I, I definitely tried to pair songs with the right uh, general tarot card image or I would marry to to like remind people like listen this isn't a direct one for one thing like you know these songs can mean a different thing a million things and so can these cards because they're just for you know the fans um, and that blew up I again you just have no clue and uh, I was really yeah I don't know it was just like very exciting um, to be a part of it and and and, and yeah and so I'll just draw things. Uh, they, mm-hmm. Really, really quick. Those illustrations you did for those tarot cards are phenomenal. And I think yeah. uh, I know exactly what you mean by, you know, trying to not maybe directly follow so much as kind of capture a feeling on, on both the tarot side of things and the song side of things. Beautiful illustrations. Absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I'll take that. Um, yeah. I, yeah, please. And, and, you know, and that was the magic of I think that's the magic of deadlines is you don't have time to overthink. You just have yes. time to get the work done. And uh, and so that was very, th- that window was very tight. I don't want to, I don't want to get into it, but we pulled it off and, <laughs> and they turned out great. Um, well, they're a lovely mix of uh, your, I mean, your style from project to project varies somewhat, but they're a lovely mix of graphic, uh, not like, you know, you're not, drawing graphic sex they're like uh they're they've got a graphic quality to them but they've also got a contrast with the areas of detail you do choose to highlight and there's a lot of good use of uh negative space and empty space and uh it's it's really clean and kind of you could breathe in them i i like these illustrations quite a bit (laughs) deadlines that's all i have to say (laughs) again like that was just like it it was like okay this is the color palette like i'm these are the five colors i'm gonna stick to and you know then you know a couple extras for like eye color and flesh tone or whatever um yeah thank you again it, it, it 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 was really really cool yeah so for as much as we tried to prepare and for as much as I wanted to get ahead and kind of have like a you know a very cohesive collection of stuff on my end it it ended up just kind of being the tapestry and the tapestry aligns uh you know over the process of the rollout like you know because I'll also just send stuff over and and then their merch person will add a little element or do this or that and then kind of push it in an even bigger better direction um so yeah and i think and then knowing what jenny's into and and getting a sense of like okay these are the motifs or visuals that she's vibed with and also getting a sense of where her head is at aesthetically album to album you know like if you look at the rabbit fur coat stuff i was going hyper detailed and hyper um, ornate and hyper delicate because that album I think is so intimate that I really yeah, wanted to yeah. I wanted to it, it's like 
instead of filling it with your imagination, I wanted to fill the art with my imagination. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also, too, Rabbit for Code is, like, personal for everybody, including Jenny. And so, like, I think the artwork coming from a very personal place was more important than anything on that one for me. But, yeah, I don't know. Right. It's, it's been really neat. And and I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. Like, however, however much I can be a part of this, I'm in. And, uh, but, you know, it's... It's a, uh, it's it's Jenny Lewis. Like it's 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 her at the end of the day, and I think everything, and I think that's the magic is her filter is so specific to her, and and everything kind of unifies because of that. And so mm-hmm. you know, I'm just glad. I mean, you being a fan, knowing the material that does inform, I think a lot. You know, like you're saying, that would inform a lot of those decisions in a way that just any artist she picked maybe might not have been. I mean, sometimes it's being a fan and then also working for either that person or that brand is a you know it's hit or miss because you could either be so close to it that you lose perspective or you can maintain a certain level of distance while also having a love for it i think that's kind of where you're landing a little more but you know for instance and i, I want to talk a little bit about this is the when watching the jenny lewis uh, live uh, what, what was that called the oh, what was that the called line, the, the, the on the line live uh i guess on internet. the line no it was on the line online <laughs> on the line online it was a four hour long live broadcast uh to like celebrate the release of the album with celebrity guests and uh, musical guests and people even such as yourself but it's so funny because when you watch that thing you being there i don't know if it's <laughs> you being there or it just being your familiarity with her aesthetic but it was almost like watching one of those drawings you did on the tarot cards come to life because they all have that they all this you know it's a similar color palette you know she she's obviously very careful with her image much in the same way jack is but that's so funny so did did you pull from that experience uh, as inspiration for any of your artwork what, well i had a sense of you know, I got, you know, I got clued into kind of, like, that gives you a clue into sort of what the touring stage would look like. And I was aware that she was going to have a color palette in mind for sort of what she was vibing with. Right. And so I did try to honor that. And same thing with the tarot cards, I think. And this is, this goes to, like, the notion of pleasing your client as a freelancer. It's like, all right, if these are the colors she's vibing with, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and, and spend a bunch of time trying to help her discover new colors she likes. You know, it's kind of like, right. yeah, it's like Batman. It's like, yeah, like I, I can use this blue and this gray and it's Batman, you know, instead of being like, or I can use this purple and try to convince you <laughs> like, um, like, no, it's the lighting. Trust me. It's really cool. Anyway, but uh, so I definitely uh, <laughs> I mean, did have purple gloves for a minute there in the Capullo stuff. So really like a, a distinct purple separate from the rest of it. Bright purple. Yeah, I don't. I need to go back and look I did not check it out but yeah when you're a fan of the musician you are clued into what they're into you know like I think with metric and and Emily Haynes I went in through the Emily Haynes side of things because I, I honestly think more than any metric album Knives Don't Have Your Back, her sol- her first solo album, you know, with the soft skeleton, that yeah. beginning to end might have been a more impactful album than anything else Metric has released. I mean, Fantasies wow. is close. Fantasies is a, a pretty perfect record. It is, but I, I think I get down, man. Like, I get real sad. And, <laughs> and, okay. and to have my right. sadness kind of personified 
in that out al- it was that album you know yeah. so when choir of the mind was coming out I, I you know i found i did my due diligence and found her management and wrote an email being like hey i'm this guy i've done this art for these people uh yeah. you know and then here's my mo i just want to be a part of it in some way shape or form um but with that yeah. i knew emily you can tell like emily's very anti the person you know like it's very anti like this band is these people in the art and i think you know it 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 seems very much like it's been a journey for the band to become personalities within the struct the construct of the band um right it's funny you mentioned that i was just doing for a different podcast um we're doing a deep dive into fantasies and I was listening to some interviews at the time and you mentioned, you know, female singers and fem, you know, femininity in the songwriting earlier. And she was talking about, you know, I guess this is an interview right before fantasies came out. She was talking about how she felt her fashion. She's very self-conscious about being feminine with her fashion choices. Oh yeah. Cause she felt like she would be lumped in or so she felt like to be a rock and roller and a woman, you had to kind of dress like a dude. And so it was a transition from her to find her own look, you know, away from that. And wasn't Fantasies when she was doing her superhero thing where she was wearing these, like, weird, shiny onesies? I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah, I and, and I... I, I, I dig that so yeah I dig her so much she's so cool she's so she's amazing yeah. um, so you know I think about that when I when I try to produce for these people and what's so funny though is uh, I just assume that they that that they wouldn't want the comic book thing you know with like Tegan and Sarah I was trying to do I was trying to get really avant-garde or really kind of tap into the rare times that I, I actually feel like I'm an illustrator and not you know a comic book artist and they're both amazing things to be uh but yeah and then and then ultimately they were like no we want like do this do this like ec comic cover homage we want that <laughs> make, like do that and it's like okay cool that's great all right it, like you know it's like okay i can like yeah i can i can make you a comic cover easy peasy um, <laughs> they seem like a couple of nerds anyway yeah, yeah i think so i didn't um i didn't interact with them one-on-one i i it was all through management and stuff, but very nice human beings, sure. which I think it's the Canadian. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, people, people also like what they've seen you do before. And if they've seen, you know, if they have something to look on, look at, they can be like, well, we like this. So let's, let's make it like that. I've also found that most rock and roll stars tend to be comic book nerds, uh, secretly. Yeah, they do end up, like, they do, yeah, like, I will get, like, a compliment, you know, they'll be like, oh, cool, and I'm like, oh, you think so? Yay! Like, rent is really hard (laughs) to find. Um, but, uh, and I think they can relate to that, too. Yeah, I just, I guess, because comic books are so subject-oriented visually, and I think maybe one of my favorite band images I've ever done was for this band, uh, my friends, they're in this band called feels and they didn't even ask for it i just on the side was working i was learning how to draw digitally on a tablet and so like every day for like 20 30 minutes i would just sort of spend some time noodling on this one image i saw of them and i was using it to just practice basically and like learn how to use all these cool effects and stuff and and similar to the like avoid the subject of it all they're they when they move when they play live, they thrash and they're just yeah. uh, piles of hair because it's three women and a drummer. <laughs> and so it's, just, and they all at different points will have different hair colors. So it's like blonde, purple, red, orange, whatever. And uh, so their heads were complete 
like just blurred out basically like watercolor swooshes of, of, wow. of high color and, and I sent it to them I was like hey like just drew this for fun and they were like what the fuck is this can we use it and I was like oh yeah sure <laughs> um, I don't recommend that unless you're 100% ready to have done it yeah. for funsies because that's not necessarily that's not always going to work out yeah no. like <laughs> I because I de- and, and again they're my friends and it was just to like practice and I'll do anything for my friends but yeah I spent like 30 hours on that like <laughs> I mean maybe yeah. no wait that's maybe that's a lot but like definitely 21 hours like I spent a no that sounds like a lot but I spent so much time on it <laughs> um I mean, it seems to work out for you like a gross amount, so maybe you're a poor test case for this. I'm just like, my brain is broken. Chill out, man. Just like, no, I guess know that I'm exaggerating times, but, or, or realize that I spend too much time on things. Or spend just enough because they liked it a lot and used it. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of just enough, I think that's a good place to leave this interview. Sina, thank you so much for joining us. It's I, I could I think James and I could both pick your brain for hours about this stuff and we just might but uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show is is there any place people can find your artwork online anything you'd like to plug while you're here that our listeners can uh, can either read or uh, see your artwork on or you know purchase uh, from a band site anything give us give yeah. us where where should we go on I the just internet? I guess just you know like well I think my pin tweet on Twitter is like chef's kiss in terms of giving you the full tea about what I'm kind of promoting. Um, but yeah, okay. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it, uh, at my name, Cena Grace, or myname.com, com. Luckily, with this weird, unique, not invented name, it's my real name, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> domain space was real, real easy to grab. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you about that. I thought it was perhaps a stage name or something, a pen name. Nothing. Nope. No. no. I used to lie and say Cena was short for Sinatra, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we encourage all our listeners to go out and check out your artwork and check out all of the Jenny Lewis merchandise and Jenny Lewis too. I mean, she's fantastic. So yeah, we know uh, a lot of our listeners are also Jenny Lewis fans, and uh, and this has been she's amazing. Uh, everyone, please yeah. pick up on the line, give it positive reviews. Like Tosi Do, baby. Yeah, um, and yeah, and I guess that's the only last thing I'll say is like. Uh, short of like U2 and Coldplay, every musician can stand to have your support. Like there's no, <laughs> I don't, I don't know many musical outfits that like wouldn't benefit from a positive review on Amazon or iTunes or a whatever, however you qualify your affection for a band on Spotify. Like the, the pond keeps growing and growing and the noise keeps getting softer and softer. So really, 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 if you love a band or you love a musician, it's cool to let them know and it's cool to love them. Like those bands don't think you're stupid. Or if you love a podcast, please. Same. <laughs> yeah. Or if you love, it's for anything. If you love anything, like it's, we live in an yeah. era where like, every voice matters because it's no longer about the dollars it's also about yeah anyway sorry that just got like super political businessy no but it's the truth no it's what that's, we had you on yeah, for that's, that felt good in the that felt good for the old soul there cena thank yeah. you very much you're welcome. uh yeah, wonderful note to leave on thank you again for joining us today and uh yeah we'll uh, we'll get back to the show here cool thanks yeah, guys thank you so much have a good evening or day or whatever <laughs>
James. Yes, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. A lot of a lot of good blue discussion. We learned a lot of bluesy things. We'd like to give a couple shout outs uh, now that we've completed this discussion. Yes. Let's give a couple shout outs to some people who are here day in, day out. People like Ben the Beer Man, Blues Carnes, Amy Hart, the Heart of the Operation, Joe Shaken All Over, who was able to get me uh, copies of Beck's Wero and Werolito. Yeah, that was really cool. That was really nice and enjoying it. Also, Jack White's apparently on them. Had no idea. So that's that's going to be playing into uh, the Beck uh, episode that we'll eventually yeah, do anyway. we should do a Beck episode. That's very nice, Joe so, Shaken All Over. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, also, uh, Eric Andrew Dotson over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Some shout-outs to some new people who are following us and talking to us online. We'll do an all-Twitter edition this time. We have Fernando Paolo. Ooh, Nothing Is Real podcast followed us. Alex Covert, keeping it on on the DL. We have Stoner Witch Records, Disturbed Artist. Thank you, Disturbed Artist. Scott H., We have uh, Matt Oswalt liking uh, some of our tweets there. We have, well, Stu Cat already has, already is is, an, is a regular listener. What was our nickname for Stu? Oh, yeah. Martyr for my love for Stu. Yeah, but somebody else had the better idea of calling him Stu Driver, which I really love. <laughs> Stu Driver. That is, I forget who said that, but that is very good. Seek, S-I-C-H, K, K-A-Y, Allison, or at Allison Shady Cat. And uh, at GSR Music 2, thank you all for following us on uh, social media. If you would like to be in our shout-out section, you, that's easy. You can just send us a tweet, you know, send us a comment yeah, on Facebook. Really. You can go to yeah. Tumblr, do that there. You can go to Facebook.com slash Third Men. You can head to Twitter at Third Mencast. You can go to Tumblr, thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can go to our website, which is thethirdmen.wordpress.com. <laughs> distracts me every time. To <laughs> you can shoot us an email to thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> there's a little break there's a little message in the in this thing that says yawn break because I used to yawn every time we hit this certain point in the list and James has been changing it to a different word every time and now it says prawn break. So break out your so everybody get out, break out your prawn. Shrimp. Heaven. Now shoot us an email thirdmenpodcast gmail.com. Pippa is a host is the Pippa hosts our show. You can find us on Pippa and Pippa's great. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, you may want to pip on down to Pippa. James finally broke me. I love them. James has got a new animated short on YouTube, this time starring friend of the show Johnny Walker and Piranha Fighter and Wasp Fighter, Johnny Walker. And Johnny was talking about it a little bit on Facebook and shared the link. So that was pretty neat. And we're, we're really happy about that. So thank yeah. you, Johnny. And thank you, James, for animating wasps fighting a slide guitar player. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so if you ever want to see any visualizers or animations that I've been doing for the show, you can find us on uh, YouTube there. Just search Third Men Podcast. You'll find us. And, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to be putting out some new ones. I have a new series that I'm coming out with. I, I think some new listeners will get to enjoy that, and some old listeners will get some, uh, some good stories uh, that they can get in consolidated form i'm looking forward to it yeah so uh feel free to find us on youtube uh give us a subscribe and tell us tell us what you think uh, i spend a lot of time on this It'd be great <laughs> if, if some people looked at them that'd be great uh feel free to send us some listener questions to our email well if you ask it we will answer it feel free to rate review and subscribe if you do a nonsense review for five stars and email us a screenshot of that review i will draw you a picture of carl butterball and might get some third men podcast swag along with that so please rate review and subscribe 
subscribe. Uh, any any and all of those uh, help us out a great deal. Get eyes and peepers on our show that wouldn't normally get there. We'd also like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song with the Third Men, as well as Susanna Rountree for the lovely intros and outros of our program, and also to Cena Grace who joined us today. And that was a really good conversation with Cena. We'd like to have him back on the show because that was a whole lot of fun. So everybody, thank you for being with us for 99 episodes. Next episode is episode 100, and we got something sort of special prepared for y'all and if you uh, were listening to this episode at all or just dozed off uh, a reminder next episode is gonna be very interesting yeah it's an all say by the bell episode yeah <laughs> I love who said that Nick Langford yeah. who dozed off in the middle of our podcast and when he checked back in he woke up again we were just talking about saved by the bell and he's like, <laughs> he's like what is happening that? I love that thank you for listening Nick and we it sounds like we're giving you for that we're really not it's very funny i love it it's hilarious yes Uh, until next week i will be looking for a home in indiana for a while and then to california and as always i will be looking for a home in a tiny blue room with uh no walls and no floors it's just a sphere okay we'll see you next time for episode 100 Woo! bye bye For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Let's let's jump right into this. And I couldn't keep up because I was doing Mississippi's and everyone else was not, apparently. And so Ariel's like, why are you so bad at this? And I went, because I'm doing one Mississippi, two Mississippi. She's like, no Mississippi. I'm like, they're not Mississippiing. I would Hanging say on hot dogs in aisle six, too. Am I right? Um, I'm not right. I'm very sorry. Um, the Blue Room, uh, the Blue Series session book uh the blue series is the name of the book um i can't remember the title of the book that we're reviewing uh that's all you're just down in friends land today his middle name is ross when i was on fremont street they were playing that song uh do a little dance make a little love and uh let me tell you there was some really just Old naked people dancing around to it. I, I wrote it down. Hold James on. wrote it down. Hold on. Consulting. <laughs> everybody. Stand by. Everybody, hold on. Stand by. Stand by. I'm just going to get a little spritz in here. <laughs> Paul's been spritzed. <laughs> Seven hours later. Oh. Hello, Jesus Christ. How the hell did I write this thing down? Did I delete it? Maybe I deleted it. Is there a trash? How, how annoying is this when you're hungover, Paul? <laughs> Joe McCoy What's dumb is I like paid extra money to boost my internet speed to avoid stuff like this. 
Okay. Okay. So we'll do, do this, this quicker. Okay. We'll do it quicker this time. All right. Ready? Okay. Three. This is slower. You know what? Hack people... that thing up so it sounds like anything and maybe tone it down, yeah. if you don't mind. Of course. Yeah, no, I will. Sorry, I was waiting till the the teenagers outside passed. Those lousy kids won't get off my lawn. <laughs> um, Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello, the lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.